Blog Talk Radio. Yeah. And you say Shot City. Shot City. Shot City. I'm coming home again. Do you think about me now and then? Yeah. Do you think about me now and then? Cause I'm coming home again. Oh. I met this girl when I was three years old. And what I love most, she had so much soul. She said, excuse me, little homie, I know you don't know me, but my name is Wendy and I like to blow trees. And from that point, I never blow her off. Niggas come from out of town, I like to show her off. They like to act tough, she like to tone them off. And make them straighten up their hat, cause she know they soft. And when I grew up, she showed me how to go downtown. And at nighttime, my face lit up, so it's sound. And I told her, and my heart is what she always be. She never mess with entertainers, cause they always bleed. She said it felt like they walked and drove on me Knew I was gang affiliated, got on TV and told on me I guess that's why last winter she got so cold on me She said, yeah, keep making that, keep making that platinum and gold for me Do you think about me now and then? Do you think about me now and then? Cause I'm coming Again. But if you really cared for then you wouldn't have never hit the airport to follow your dreams. Sometimes I still talk to her, but when I talk to her, it always seems like she's talking about me. She said you left your kids, and they just like you. They want to rap and make soul beats just like you, but they just not you. And I just got through talking about what niggas trying to do, just not new. Now everybody got the game figured out all wrong. I guess you never know what you got till it's gone. I guess that's why I'm here and I can't come back home. And guess when I heard that? When I was back home, every interview I'm representing you, making you proud. Reach for the stars, so if you fall, you land on the cloud. Jump in the crowd, talking lighters, wave them around. If you don't know I'm by now, I'm talking again. about Shot Town. Do you think about me now and then? Do you think about me now and then? Cause I'm coming Good afternoon, everyone. Um, this is Lincoln Stevens. Welcome to another episode of The Drum. Uh, it's by the Marcus Graham Project and the Wind and Water team. Wind and Water, are you there? Yes, we are. Here. Cool. Well, it's your show, guys, so take it away. <laughs> okay. Well, 
Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Brittany Wright. I am the Public Relations Manager here at Wind & Water, and I will be one of your hosts for this morning, and this is my partner, DeMarcus. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Um, I'm the second part of the Public Relations uh, Department here at Wind & Water. I will be serving as your co-host today. And last but not least, this is Joshua Isaiah, and I am the media planner for Wind & Water. You can follow us on Twitter at WindXWater15 and join the conversation online using hashtag DrumTalk. Brittany, tell them a little bit more about Wind & Water. Thanks, Josh. So Wind & Water serves as an agency that specializes in impactful brand development. Collectively, though, we encompass the elements of the future, so transparency, diversity, and technological adaptability. Since we are a millennial-based brand, we aim to bring a clear yet refreshingly innovative perspective to the forefront. So with that said, let them know why we chose the elements of wind and water to represent us as a creative agency. All right, so we're going to dive into wind. Uh, wind first is swift, it moves quickly, it's instantaneously and impactful. Wind is a presence that you may not see, but you know is omnipresent. It's everywhere. In the essence of, the, of our agency, this represents our ability to be transparent. By being transparent, we are able to reach an unlimited amount of groups, deliver the message our client demands, and mold into appealing and relatable content that will be appreciated uh, by, by uh, incorporated in our lives. Water is versatile in a sense that it can adapt to its surroundings quickly and forges new paths. Adaptability. As a millennial-based agency, we pride ourselves on being adaptable and technologically-equipped group. By us being adaptable, it allows us to reach the consumer in a voice in which they will be able to understand and internalize. Cool, cool. So now that you all know a little bit about us, to my fellow co-hosts, how are you feeling at this point in the game? How are you feeling about Marcus Graham and your respective roles? Well, at this point in the game, I'm kind of just feeling like I am excited to just soak up everything that I can from the program. But also, I'm looking to figure out what exactly I can give to the program. I know that I do public relations, and I'm excited about public relations, but I've always just thought about how you you go into something looking to gain something, but you're not particularly looking to give something. So at this point, I'm trying to figure out exactly what it is that I want to give to the program and also what are some things that I can put in my pocket and save for a later date. Yeah, and for me, you know, I'm really excited about getting into the second half of the Marcus Graham Project and seeing what we can do as a as a whole. Um, for me, this is my first internship actually being uh, doing – doing my major, being in public relations, and really mastering my craft. Um, we've had a lot of ups and downs in the Marcus Graham project so far, but that's with every ad agency. When you have 13 different personalities coming together, you know, things aren't going to go exactly as they should, but that's the journey that we take, and that's why we enjoy this all. So I'm really excited. I'm really hungry to start this off. Yes, I can relate. I mean, for me personally, this has been a huge learning experience. I came up with the mentality of a sponge trying to absorb all that I can, and I think that this program really allows you to not only work as a team, but kind of help you find your niche and see what works best for you. Like, as the media planner of Wind & Water, I'm seeing that they're also, like, creative, and I'm also finding different other um, avenues that I might want to explore. So it's a really cool opportunity to um, get, get a hands-on experience with a little bit of everything. That's what's up. Well, I'm glad we're all excited and hungry for the second half of MGP to start. For our listeners, if you didn't know much about us, um, about wind and water, 
McDonald's is our first client. And we began this boot camp uh, weeks ago, and we realized that there's a lot of hate in the culture on McDonald's. And when all they want to do is really spread the love. So what do you really think about that, guys? Well, I guess I feel like this is kind of with anything. When you're at the top spot, of course people are going to want to take shots at you and they want to throw jabs. And I feel like societally and culturally and just in the world, I know I said a lot of things, but (laughs) they just want to always tell a story. And in this story, you have to have two things, right? You have to have the antagonist and you also have to have the protagonist. So in this story of fast food, the antagonist is McDonald's. That's how they painted McDonald's. And so I just feel like that's just how people want to look at McDonald's. So that's just my stance on that. Yeah, I definitely feel where you're coming from because I I personally don't understand where where the disconnect lies coming from just from being, like, a student and just a young adult. Like, I know I love the dollar menu. Like, there's no shame in my game. Like, I will definitely go to McDonald's and give me a, a McDouble, a fried sweet tea. Like, this is all stuff that we consume on a daily basis. And then, well, not the daily basis, but, you know, when we have it. And then it's like, despite all of these videos that are trying to expose these huge corporations, people still eat this food. Because the truth of the matter is people just want something to sink their teeth into. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean... I'm a pretty loyal individual, and I know since I've been a little kid, you know, the Happy the happy Meal has always been, you know, something that I loved. And, you know, as I moved on, you know, I went from McDoubles to the Big Mac to the Quarter Pounder. You know, I experimented all through the menu at McDonald's. So as, as, a, as the loyal person I am, you know, that's how really McDonald's speaks to me because they've had the consistent menu. They've, they've had the consistent service, and that really just speaks to me. Um, I know, you know, McDonald's isn't the healthiest place, but no one's telling you to eat that four or five times a week. You know, I, I have a really fast and crazy life, so, like, when I need something on the go, when I need to get something in my system that's still going to taste great, that's that's really who I turn to. So um, what are some, like, what's the disconnect and some of the misconceptions that you think that have happened since we were kids and now that we're adults, what do you think's happening in that meantime where people are kind of, you know, fronting on McDonald's, kind of just being like, hey, you know, I'm I'm above this, I'm better than this? I guess to that point, and you guys may disagree, but I feel like people want to, don't want to associate themselves with cheapness. And it's like it goes back to the whole dollar store. Um, how many people do you know that connect and kumbaya and say that they're going to go to the dollar store? People love to go to the dollar store. People love to go to McDonald's. And it's almost like a guilty pleasure, but it's just that. It's that guilty pleasure. You don't necessarily want to be associated with that. What are some of the things that we want to be associated with right now? We want to look like we have status. That's exactly what it is. Whether that status is online and you uh, standing in front of a Bugatti that you do not own, but you took that picture and you put it on Instagram and you put it on Snapchat to look like you got something going on that you don't have, or whether that's you going to Starbucks and walking around with that Starbucks cup because that makes you look like you are elite. People want to associate themselves, and not even just people, people in general also, but millennials want to associate themselves with status symbols. And I feel like right now maybe McDonald's isn't particularly the status symbol that they're looking for. So, in terms of people always, like, I'm trying to think, like, when people are putting up a facade online, like, I definitely think about social media and how people are real quick to, like, take a picture and upload something. But I think what these big brands are taking um, heed to is that they're looking at social media. So, what is going on? What is that 
what, what is that disconnect we were talking about before? And I think that they're really tapping into our, our culture. For example, I was on Ad Week, and I was looking at an article about IHOP, and they were saying, like, how they're, how they're onto our slang and taking, mm-hmm. taking notice of um, some of the language that we use. For example, IHOP posted a picture of a, a stack of pancakes, and the caption was, is it worth it? Let me work it. I put my fork down, flip it, and reverse it. Like, that's hot. Like, that resonates with us. That's something that we all can relate to. Or they had something like, retweeted IHOP is bae. Now, now you know. <laughs> they they had to have gotten that off of Twitter. That is something that they had, that they got off of line. And Burger King, they tweeted, these these chicken strips, though. Like, that's something that you will only know if you had insight into social media. So I thought that that was very interesting, and it wasn't even offensive. Um, that's why I kind of – I think people were receptive to it, and that's why I got thousands and thousands of tweets um, on these different brands, Taco Bell, IHOP, Burger King, because people were like, oh, this is funny and it's unexpected coming from a big brand. Now, segueing into something else, it made me think immediately of, like, the anti-ads at Target, <clears throat> you know, when with with the first black Annie coming out and this being kind of like a historical moment in our culture, you would think that um this would be something that would kind of be celebrated by also when they decided not to use um a black Annie in the advertisement. It was kind of like a slap in the face and that that was more of that was more of a way to show that we, we kind of um need younger people in these agencies. We kind of need younger people to to let let these reps and officers know um what is and is not culturally insensitive and how can we move forward and how can there be a voice in these agencies and these corporations that are pushing these movies to let them know what is really going on in culture today. I think one of the things that we really need to be able to jump into or that businesses and brands need to jump into is being culturally aware, like you said, but not only culturally aware, but I just feel like there's no amount of research or there's no device that can tap into genuinely how people feel or what makes someone feel comfortable or what makes someone feel culturally aware. So the fact that these people are kind of spending time in these communities and looking to what is hip right now, what's on trend, but also in addition to that, like Josh was saying, is this making us feel comfortable? Is this offensive? Is this something that we're actually going to take heed to? And one of the things that I liked about the IHOP campaign is that we thought that originally that it was a fluke. Oh, you know, pancakes on fleek, that's hot, but is this just a one-time thing? And when they continued to come with it, it was like, wow, they just rebranded their social media to tap into an audience that maybe they weren't pulling before. Maybe they weren't getting these people before. So I just thought that it was really cool that they could try to relate to us on that level and then keep that message up. Because I know a lot of people who are just like, well, hmm, I was kind of downtown and I had had a couple of drinks or whatever, what have you, and I walked past the I hopped in, that was the restaurant that I decided to go to above all the other, you know, places that I could have went and ate at downtown. I chose that because that brand is resonating with me more now. And, I mean, and that's driving revenue to that store. Yes, and it, and it felt more organic, you know. It felt like it didn't feel like it was a big machine pushing. It didn't feel like they were like, okay, we're, we're trying to reach a younger audience. Like that is definitely language that we use. That is definitely something that has been included in hashtags. I can go on my timeline right now, scroll two, two or three times and see it more than once, you know. So it was definitely relatable. And I, I, I see where you're coming from with people wanting to um, go to a store just for them, connecting with them in that way. 
And to go on top of on top of that, um, when you said it is it a one time thing, um, I do understand that you know maybe Fleek might be in right now, and over time you know that's going to change maybe the next month or two. But our culture, and especially our young culture, is always changing. So there's going to be new terms, there's going to be new hot trends that are going to come around. So if they can, I think if IHOP and Taco Bell and other things like that can stick to that young hip voice and keep on changing and keep on moving with what's hot, what's in in the culture right now, how are you know, how is our group coming into the restaurant? How are they speaking? Because, you know, if I'm if I'm really hungry right now and I'm hitting those, you know, flapjacks right now, I'm going to be like, man, these flapjacks, I'm going to say something in, in that type of tune. So that really that really speaks. So I think if they can keep it up, that's that'll be the main thing, and that is what'll, what's going to make their voice really uh, successful on uh, a Twitter Twitter platform. Absolutely. So going into maybe a of advertisement since we've got there, what are some advertisements in the past or recently that you guys have seen and were just like, that is not my brand? Like, that definitely doesn't fit me, you know, or who I am or what I believe or whatever. Have you guys seen any advertisements like that lately? I'm sorry, can you repeat that, Brittany? I was just asking um, if you guys have seen some brands recently and you were kind of just like, that doesn't fit me culturally or that doesn't, you know, fit what I think, but you can tell that they tried to cater that to um, the millennial market or, you know, a multicultural market. I can relate to that. Not recently, but I know in high school there was, um, at the time, and I think McDonald's is, is moving more in a, a positive direction now in terms of getting to their millennials, but I remember in the past, like, it would always be, it would always be videos of us singing and dancing, and that was kind of a, it was just very interesting for me, just like, we're more than that, you know, and it let me, it let me know, like, hmm, how can I move forward in the industry, how can I participate in this industry to show that we're more than just singing and dancing, but then there, there are other ads where you, where you see um, minorities uplifting each other, and that's kind of like, the heartstrings that they're pulling at. So that 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 was the main one that stuck out that out for me. Um, yeah, for me as well. I mean, I think I just like the ones where, like you said, it pulls on a heartstring, not the ones where it's trying to entertain anybody or be um, hit hit us in like a, a comedic aspect. Because I see the advertisement once, you know, I laugh real hard. I see it twice, I laugh real hard again. I see it three or four times, and it's kind of like. Uh, it loses it, and it doesn't even hit me anymore. It doesn't inspire me to maybe go to that business or take any type of action because I feel like on a comedic standpoint, I've seen so much, you know, and I don't look for an advertisement or anything like that to hit me uh, on that level. So something that can definitely sink into me and my heart and my mind is going to be way more powerful, um, way more powerful in that aspect. So for then, example, I'm like, going off oh, of that. So go ahead, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. How would you suggest that they do change that to be able to, like, think and pull heartstrings? How do you feel like people can pull a heartstring amongst millennials today because we are so different? Hmm. Maybe maybe connecting it to pop culture. I know that that's something that holds relevance in our culture today amongst millennials. Like, we have people that are not famous that are that don't have talent that are famous. So what is a way that maybe we can connect mm-hmm. pop culture to get people engaged? What is a way that, that we can see um, a movement like 
um, hashtag Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, like mm-hmm. stuff like that. How can that be incorporated into some of these big brands to show that um, these big corporations are not out, not out to just get our money, but but they, they want to connect with us on a social basis. They're aware of what's going and on. And they care. Or exactly, and they care, and they see, like, what's going on across these with, with the shootings or even what's happening in America with the shootings and, and people um, senselessly dying. And I think that would be something to kind of tap into or twist into so we know that you're not just out to get our money. Like, we know that you see what's being portrayed in the media as well, and you're out here trying to make a change as well. Because I think a lot of the times people people will fall back from trying to get people will fall back from buying into a brand if they feel like it's all about the money. Mhm. And I yeah, definitely, off, I mean, go ahead. I mean, well, to go off the point of change, um, our society is always changing, and so it seems like something happens in our society right now, and it hits us pretty hard. And then it, we take a little bit amount of time and we put our smile back on, and we keep on moving down the street. And I think going back to the past is actually uh, where you can hit a very um, big heart stream because even in my culture, um, but even in our personal lives, in our past, everybody's had a hard time. No matter who you are, how successful you are, you've, you've hit maybe maybe not necessarily rock bottom, but you've had some tough, some tough strides. So you, if you can come back to the past and say that we remember that and we're here to uh, to change that and make and make our future better, that can definitely be extremely extremely impactful on a brand. Absolutely, and I mean, um, one of the brands that stand off off top for me for doing this, and I know I'm kind of segueing into women, but I really love the Dove and the Special K brand, and I feel like when they're putting their brands out there, they're trying to change the perception of a society. So they're trying to show women that you are beautiful. Okay, your arms jiggle, your leg moves a little bit when you walk, they rub. But that's, but that's okay. Like, you're still beautiful. And uh, for the Special K brand, they kind of show things, do things to change women's mindsets and perceptions of their own self in addition to trying to change the perception of that society. So I think they're doing a super, super good job of that, of trying to touch into the heartstrings. Because I know that weight is definitely a huge issue that's probably going to always be an issue with women. So for them to be able to tap into that and to tap into that mindset and try to kind of change that, I think that's very admirable, and they're doing a very good job of that as well. Most definitely, like, and going back to the Dove campaign, I remember watching that video for the first time because one of the videos that they put out, it was um, they will have them describe themselves, and then they will have the mm-hmm. the artist draw them in the in the way that they describe themselves, and then they will have other people describe them. And the pictures were so different. And it just lets you know that that it's sometimes you gotta get out of your own mind. Like everything's gonna be okay, and that resonated with me. And I'm a male, and it was geared towards females. It's just like sometimes you just have to to let go. And I think that they really they really touched a, a spot that that was not only for for women but for everybody, you know. And I think that that's something that a lot of brands can um, take something away from, you know. So we do have um, live tweeting going on as well. Um, anyone that is listening right now, you can tweet us. And we are being very responsive um, at uh, hashtag drum talk. And we actually had someone um, say that, um, how about, how can we use subculture instead of pop culture in advertising? So what are your thoughts on that? Instead of using, subcul- instead of using pop culture, let's try subculture. 
Can you give me a quick a quick and dirty definition of um what you mean by subculture? Are you thinking like I'm 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 guessing like urban culture, hipster culture, maybe maybe small towns, suburban areas. How can we incorporate that into popular culture if I understand the question correctly? Um, well I definitely just think it goes back to like tone and voice, um, as far as a brand is concerned. And that kinda of takes me back to the the IHOP thing. I feel like that's a very urban ish culture that they're speaking to and they're speaking like us. And when um someone can identify with something, I feel like that makes them want to accept that brand more. When they can see something and say, Oh, that reminds me of me or that reminds me of my aunt or my uncle or my cousin or whoever else per se. So when you're really just capturing the voice of that audience and I don't want to say spitting it back at them, but giving it back to them in a way that they can receive. I think that's something that's definitely um, really interesting and really cool that they can play on. Are there any more uh, Twitter questions? Not at the moment, but if you have, let's see. We actually got one question, and just like just like the Dove Beauty sketches, in order to tap into the heart of the millennial, we have to appeal to what is important to us. I definitely think that is important. Like, what what are we talking about on social media? How can we how can we incorporate that into these ads? Um, we have a tweet from at Bria Janae underscore, and it says. On one campaign, they definitely stuck with what was me on with me on one campaign that definitely stuck with me was the one on the voodoo exhibit at the field museum. The images along with the digital information that they provided not only caught my attention but allowed me to apply the new knowledge to my life and experiences. Yes, I agree because I was on train right. And I seen those voodoo ads, and it, it definitely caught my attention because I took a black music culture at Illinois State University, and there is a stigma with that. So I think that that was a very captivating way to engage me, and it really caught my attention right away because I'm like, voodoo, well, what is going on? Why is it being advertised <laughs> on the um, train? But then I thought back to that class, and I'm like, you know, that's a misconception in that culture. Like, it's really actually somewhat of, of, of a religion, and I think that's what the exhibit was based about. And... And, and the ads, it lets you know, like, it's more to this culture. You know, it, it's more to this than you know, than, than Hollywood depicts. And I thought that that was, a, that, that was a really good question, actually. One thing that I think is, like, super important for, like, marketers and advertisers, just switched it to the backside, is that we all need to be um, more culturally aware. We need to travel more. We need to go to different places. We need to be able to experience and consume different cultures to be able to even understand what it is that that culture uh, receives. And we can do as much research as we want to, but until we kind of submerge ourselves into those different cultures, we may understand or we may get what they are trying to do or get what they do do, but we may not understand why exactly that they do the things that they do. And that's a completely different thing. Those are two, you know, two different areas and two different arenas. So I think that that's very important to travel, experience different cultures. Um, don't be afraid to step outside of your comfort zone. I've always heard from many different uh, people in the professional industry that nothing great comes from in the confines of a comfort zone. So if we just, you know, step outside our confines, I think that we'll 
they'll be able to better understand people and to be able to give them something that they can actually take and something that resonates with them as well. Yeah, and I think that just starts really just on, you know, everyday life. Like, uh, personally, me, I can tell you I'm a huge sports fan. Um, when it comes to, you know, anything with the ball, you know, I'm I'm, I'm watching it. But <laughs> when it comes to, you know, things like um, maybe, like, I love basketball, I love football, I love soccer. But when it comes to things like hockey, that's something I never tune into. So one of the things I personally wanted to do so I can so I can um, be more out there, learn learn different uh, subcultures and things like that, is trying to maybe attend a hockey game, maybe going to a NASCAR event where I can be somewhere that I'm not familiar in and actually engage with the people and see why do you, why do you like this event? How long have you have you been watching this? What what is the emotional tie that keeps you coming back to this? And I think we could all do that in different aspects. Not even just saying sports. That's just one one aspect. But from on a day to day level, doing things like that. I mean, you, the influence that you can the influence that you can gain from them and then promote out there into a larger a larger light would be would be extremely powerful. I think advertisers are definitely taking. Um, Looking more into subcultures, for example, the Verizon commercial that came out spring of last year, it included a bunch of dancers. And me personally, coming from the back, coming from a background in dance, it was cool because it was like it, I knew it was a phone commercial, but I'm like, why are these people doing all these acrobatic stunts, flipping? We had break dances, and then they had the um, electrostatic effects where it made where it made the, the movements look more more big and vibrant, and that captivated me. That drew me to the that drew me into that drew me into the commercial and that made me want to go into the store because I'm like, okay, like this, this phone is going to, going to give me energy like that. Like, and it, and it connected to me and it, and it took me back to a place where it was like, cool. Like, cause I know the arts is something that isn't um, represented well, like programs and stuff are getting dropped. So it was cool to sit in the commercial to let people know that this is a career that you can make out of this. This is something that you can actually do. And I think that that was like a subculture that was kind of brought to the forefront. Definitely makes sense. Um, are there any more Twitter questions? <laughs> I'm sorry, can you repeat that? What did you just say? Oh, I was trying to um, see what you said. Um, You're asking some type of question, I believe. Oh, I'm sorry. It probably broke up. Um, I was asking about Twitter questions. Are there any more Twitter questions? Um, as of right now, I don't think we have anything coming in. Um, remember, anybody who's viewing this, please just hashtag drum talk. Um, we are live on our Twitter, Twitter feed trying to respond to um, anything that anyone has to say. So I feel like we've, we've talked a lot about, you know, um, brands that kind of work for us and things that do work for us as millennials. But what are what are some different observations or things that you kind of notice about millennials that can kind of, like, help marketers market to their brand better? So I guess um, my point would be kind of going along the lines of what I said earlier. So the thing about status, when you're either creating a brand or creating a brand image, I think that is super, super, super important to try to make sure that your brand can be portrayed as something of a higher status, per se, if you want millennials to be able to buy it. But 
on the tail end of that, if that's not what your product is going for, own that. Own the fact that it's not um, some super elite status product and be able to defend that and say, okay, this is not what my product is, but this is what my product is actually offering. I think that's very critical for a brand. In addition to that, I'm, so I'm going to take, take it a step. I'm going to take that a step further. How do you think being being a young college student in terms of branding yourself, how do you think um, these corporations – and what I'm thinking about right now is like when um, the emerging artist Tiana Taylor, she just dropped her album, how, how she got dropped from the Reebok brand due to a Twitter spat. And I guess where I'm going with this is like online perception and how do you build a valid um, online brand so what, what 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 would you say are some tips for high school students especially because I, I don't think they think that that far Ooh. in advance on how to maintain a positive online image and build a brand so when you get to college yes. you don't have to worry about, you know, <laughs> getting the job and stuff like that. What what are your what is your advice? Absolutely. For online okay, brand? so Okay, so um, just a little bit of background on me. I One of the things that I pride myself on being is a mentor, and I mentor a lot, lot, lot of children, ranging from elementary to middle school to high school, I mean, even some younger college students. And one of the things that I do tell them is that as much as you want to be yourself and show people who you are or try to look cool on the Internet, people are watching. And if you put out something that's crazy, that can follow you for forever. So what I tell people is, when you before you post something, when you take that picture, say what do you want people to know about me from this picture. Once you have that down, kind of disconnect yourself from that and say what are people gonna get about me from that picture if they were looking at it through their eyes and not looking at it through my eyes. So if you take a picture at a red cup party and you have your cup up to your lips, what is that saying to people? Everybody's not going to be able to get that. Everybody's not going to be able to resonate with that. And I would hate for that to deter someone from hiring you as their corporation because they, A, don't agree with how you're sharing yourself on the Internet, but, B, they don't necessarily know if they want a, quote, unquote, party person in their company's culture. So you definitely have to make sure that you are hypersensitive about how things can be perceived. But on the other end of that, a lot of people do want to put off this cool persona and they want to have this cool perception. I guess I would just say if your platforms are open, and sometimes even if they aren't, just make sure you're watching what you say. Watch what type of language that you use. I'm the type of person that I try my hardest not to use curse words or offensive language on the Internet because I don't want that to come back and be a bad reflection of me. I'm the type of person that on Facebook I make sure that before you tag me in something, I have to approve it first because I can't be out here just looking crazy or looking any other kind of way in the world just because you decided to take a picture of me and, you know, put that out there. But to meet it halfway also, I guess I feel like you have to make sure that you are that person that you say you are online. So just because you put out this perception and this persona on the Internet and you want people to um, view you as this way on the Internet, you have to make sure that you're matching that with your actions in person. I feel like your brand and your brand reputation is what people say about you when you're not listening, what people are saying about you when you're not around, and that's absolutely it. So if you can master those two and you can really truly just find out who you are and how what you want people to take away from you as a person, I think that's where people can really strike gold. Cool. So we have another question from Joshua at Adosa JG. 
and it says, is it dangerous to go for a high-status slash exclusive image as a new brand? Are they putting themselves in a niche? What do you think? So what I think about this, I'm not sure if it's exactly dangerous. Um, I think you have to be realistic, as in being setting yourself exclusive and also being um, high-status is that you necessarily don't want to reach out to everyone. You don't want to be that big brand mm-hmm. that everybody knows about, like, you know, like, like a Walmart or something like that. So you have to be realistic that your brand or your company isn't going to explode, that you're not going to uh, receive the revenue um, explosion like some other brands would because you're trying to reach a small market. And at the same time, when you do start to grow, your exclusive, your exclusivity, uh, you won't be as exclusive. So at the same time, you gotta, you kind of got to, I guess, weigh your pros and your cons uh, on that. In addition to that, I think brand perception is everything. So I think if you were talking, I'm not sure if you're talking about like a company or or yourself, but I think the way you carry yourself or the way you you like say you have a blog, it should always be the best perception you want to see. If anybody anybody from your mom to a job, if they see that, mm-hmm. it should be at its best and the most professional it can be. And I think that once your brand continues to grow, you will eventually move into the high-status exclusive images. But if you start out that way, you're setting the bar extremely high to the point where for your next project, you're going to either have to reach that or go beyond that. So I think that's something to just keep in the back of your mind, but definitely always keep best quality images in the forefront, especially when developing a brand. And on the um, on to the first part of that question as far as, like, your brand perception online and your brand perception um, in person, I think for young professionals, I think it's important to brand themselves. So I guess I'll just talk about me for a second really quick. So I recently branded myself as B Sad PR. B standing for me because my name is Brittany, and then bad standing for both and distinct in a society where bad is the new good. That's who I am. That's what I go by. And sometimes when I meet people, they be like, hey, be bad PR, right? And I'm like, yeah. And, like, that's kind of what you want. You want people to be able to to um, know you off of your brand. So my website is Be Bad PR. My blog is actually Be Bad Blog. My Twitter is Be Bad PR. Like, everything is literally Be Bad PR. So when you get to the point where people are literally just recognizing you off of your brand, you know that's perfect. That's exactly what you want. You want everything to kind of tie into one. You want it to be the, that deliverable package. You want for somebody to be able to Google you, and you pop up on the first three, four, five pages of Google, and that's all you, on your Google real estate. But in opposed to, I feel like names are kind of common these days. So if somebody was to type in Brittany Wright, per se, I might not be until the second or the third page associated with my brand. But with the DBAT PR and, you know, the me creating a brand, that bumps me to the forefront. So you kind of just want to think about that. It doesn't necessarily have to be something that's, like, hitting you over the head that's, like, entirely too catchy, but it has to be something that represents you and the essence of what exactly it is that you're trying to portray to get to where you're trying to go professionally. So that's my two cents. <laughs> Definitely. Another question from Joshua is, what techniques would you say are the best for extracting insights on subcultures? And I'll start out by answering that. I think from my experience with the Marcus Graham Project, definitely sitting back and observing people watching, going into whatever mm-hmm. target you're trying to um, analyze and, and, and observe. Like that's, that, those are the best things that you can possibly get to write down. Like see, people watch for a little bit. It, it's really interesting because I – being being the big personality that I have, I know sometimes I can kind of light up a room, but I'm not necessarily observing. And I think that that's something that I learned through this process. Or surveying, 
like, or getting to know, doing, re- like, research in terms of, like, looking at YouTube videos or going to different blogs. I'm trying to think of, like, an example. I'm, I'm going to use dance since that's where I come from. If I didn't know nothing about ballet within the last few years, I was on the YouTube. I was looking at the Anthony Burroughs and the Alvin Ailey Company and saying, what can I learn from this? How can I start out? You know, it's, it's really Google, Google is your best friend, <laughs> and going out in the mm-hmm. public will be your best friend. <laughs> Because not everything you read on the internet is the truth, but if you find it more than once, it's kind of like, okay, this is, I'm, I'm on to something, you know? Mm-hmm. And also, I feel like just going off that last point, the internet is a starting point. I feel like, if mm-hmm. you, you know, start at the internet, Google something first, and then take what you kind of learned from there, and then dig deeper. Go, like Josh said, go into that culture, figure it out, figure out if it is real, you know, but definitely don't shy away from the internet, but don't think it's gold either. It's not the gospel. And um, I'd say my personal technique, um, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I grew up in uh, the south side of Chicago for a couple years before moving all the way to pretty much uh, the country, uh, WIU, where my mom taught at. Um, And that's in Macomb, Illinois. It's about 20,000 people, and 11,000 of those 20,000 are actually students. So it's a really, really small town before moving back to the to the suburbs and moving back to the city. So my personal network, my group of friends are very diverse. And I know for me, myself, if anyone who's uh, listening to this has, is in the same scenario, not necessarily where they grew up, but just has a diverse group of a group of people in their network or friends, I mean, I think real life, and I'm coming back to real life again, but I think um, real life interactions and just, you know, quizzing your friends, asking questions about them, digging into their mind, I think that's really the best technique of getting insight because when it's friend to friend, when it's, you know, even maybe acquaintance uh-huh. someone you just met, that's that's the realest thing you're you're gonna get. So Well, thank you everyone for sending in your questions and we've been it's been more than a pleasure to be able to answer them. But since we are halfway through with the program and to my co host, what are you guys looking to do this next week and a half that maybe you didn't do before or what are some things that you're looking to gain now that you know what the program is about? What I'm looking to do is definitely step it up from this point on because I feel like, you know, our time is limited. This is a 10-week program crammed into three weeks. And I definitely want to step it up and make not only the co- the people who, you know, selected me proud, but make sure I take something big away from this and make sure that I'm able to apply this to not only the ending of my school career, but the industry, you know, we're all going to be looking for jobs soon. And I want to make sure I'll be able to take as much as I can away from this so I can apply to whichever agency, you know, hires me. <laughs> and <laughs> and I, I really just want to be the best asset to any company that, that you know, will take me in under their wing so I could potentially give back to somebody else someday. What about you? Yeah, I definitely agree with uh, everything Josh just said. Um, definitely working in PR, you know, um, well, both of us, you know, I'm definitely excited to work with you and to start killing it uh, with our client McDonald's <laughs> and putting them in the best light possible. Um, but also, you know, I want to take as many tools away as I can, not in just PR, but just in this whole ad agency as we have so many different pockets um, and sectors of people working for this common goal. I'm trying to take away uh, experiences and tools from them as well. Um, and then also trying to just place myself in the best opportunity to be successful and do um, all of the life goals that I that I want to fulfill. Um, so I think you know this Marcus Graham project is de- definitely a great way 
to launch everything I want to do. And um, again, I just want to thank you know, everyone who's um, taking the time out to really support us in this all, um, yes. because without them, uh, this this wouldn't be possible. And I'm, I'm truly thankful. Not at all. And as for myself, I just really want to bring the fire that I brought into every other place in my life, bring that hustle. I want to be the person that people want to be around. I want to be the person that people want to look to, to allocate work to. I just want to be that hustler. And I feel like I brought that, you know, to every other aspect of my life. And now that I know what to expect in Marcus Graham, it's literally like feet in the ground, go time, I'm sprinting. And I'm not even sprinting in real life, but I'm sprinting. Like I'm ready to get to that next step. And I'm just so super, super, super grateful and thankful to all of the people that have really um, invested their time and their energy into us because without them, literally this program will be nothing. And I think it's important because often in certain communities, people get to a certain level of success and they close the door behind them. But with this program, people get to that level of success and they reach their hand back to help us climb up to the next level. And that's, I truly, truly appreciate that. So with that, thank you so much for listening to The Drum Radio. And if you will, follow us on Twitter at WindXWater15. Follow us on Instagram at WindXWater. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you to my co-host. You guys are amazing. Have a good rest of your day, everyone.